I think, especially since we have a couple new people here, um, just uh, sort of do a very sort of quick where get ourselves to where we are right now. Um, so we're going through the book of Isaiah, and as you can tell with this, it's not, you know, it's a pretty small book, okay? Um, and we've been spending, I don't know, we're probably at week 15 or something, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, something like that right now in Isaiah. Um, we've been going through chapters 1 through 5 is where uh, we've been spending the most amount of the time. And just as a little um, overview again, chapters 1 through 5 of Isaiah... Uh, don't speak directly to the historical situation which we are going to start seeing in chapter 7. Mm. Okay, And it really speaks to more of the foundational issues in which we're going to see all the way through Isaiah. So if you haven't read Isaiah 1 through 5, um, if, you know, first time you're doing this, I would say you know, read those chapters. Um, we also have, I also do put the audio of our um, sessions when there's, you know, unless we're just doing total personal sharing or something, and I will cut that out if there is any personal sharing. But I do put those up. Um, there's a podcast called Isaiah. So um, when I send out the email, make sure, I think you're on the email yeah. now. Chris, you might want to make sure you get on the email. I should get your email from you. Um, I, when I do post it, I will, you know, you can actually look, listen to past ones if it's helpful or not um, and try to hear the discussion. So, uh, so we are now in chapter 6. And chapter 6 of Isaiah is a very, very key chapter. It's a key chapter not just to, not just to Isaiah, but as we're going to be looking and seeing tonight, yeah. Isaiah 6 is key to really, yeah, across, actually across the entire Bible, mm-hmm. and is particularly of interest in the New Testament. Um, and we are looking particularly at tonight the verses Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, which is quoted many times within mm-hmm. the New Testament. And it's, um, it's quoted in some unusual ways within the New Testament, which we're going to look at tonight. Uh, a couple things that we did two weeks ago, um, and if you want to look, oh, you want to go ahead and open up to Isaiah 6, page 38, 39. Um, what you have at the very opening of Isaiah, and I won't go through it again, but this is really, it's sort of almost weird because Isaiah 6, you could al- almost say chapter 1 right here. For Isaiah 6, because the way it starts out, you can almost not even know you had chapters 1 through 5. Um, because it starts out almost like it started out in chapter 1, saying, you know, there was this vision that happened. And so what we have in Isaiah 6 is when Isaiah himself has this vision where he meets, almost face to face, you could say, he meets the Lord God. And he has this vision with the seraphim and with the throne and with God sitting there. And in this environment, what ends up happening, if you take a look, it says um, he has this you know, vision, the seraphim sing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of your glory. And then in this presence that he is in, in the face of God, something that you see very rarely within scripture. And there's like almost like a Moses you know, experience that he had. You see the result of that. Okay, He's in front of literally meeting this holy Lord of armies or a Lord of hosts. And if you take a look at verse 5, it says, And he said, and, um, 
and so Isaiah's response to meeting God is, woe is me. Um, and we talked about how that word woe is like stunned, just beyond anything you can imagine. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So his response is seeing that he is a man who is unclean in front of God. But what Isaiah is doing here, very similar to someone we probably can think of, of, of called Jesus Christ, <laughs> what he does here is Isaiah, in this encounter with God, also takes upon himself all the sins of, the, of Israel. All the sins of the, of the people come upon Isaiah, and he's experiencing not just his own personal sin, but all of the sins of the people. Very Christ-like. Very Christ-like, exactly. Sort of pre-Christ. And uh, what ends up happening is as a response to him saying, I am a man of unclean lips, and that's, in other words, I'm a man, a sinner, you see what ends up happening is that then in verse 6, and I think you guys maybe touched on this, I don't know if you did last week, someone maybe said something. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, to Isaiah, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. So here comes this burning coal, the seraphim, is coming up to Isaiah, and he touched Isaiah's mouth. And remember, he had unclean lips. And, it's, and then it says, Behold, this has touched your lips. And then you listen to what it says here. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Very Christ-like. And so you see that Isaiah now, because he had a response of recognizing his own sin, just like you see, this is your salvation. This is, you know, um, this is what you see throughout Scripture. You see in Acts 2, okay, where people hear the word of God, they meet God, and if their response is one of wanting to turn, recognizing their own sin, they turn, okay, and what ends up happening? Their sins are forgiven. All right? And so... As a response to that then, in verse 8, Isaiah is now ready before God to take upon his call. God's ready to now say, I'm going to send you out, Isaiah. Okay, And it says in verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. And God says, Go and say to this people. So here you have the very first words of what the Lord is telling the people, telling Isaiah to say to this people. If you turn then to verse 9 and 10, which is where we're putting our focus right now, and this is what we covered two weeks ago, um, is this saying, and this passage right here, 9 through 10, is quoted several times in the New Testament. Okay. Um, it's quoted by Jesus at least three times, maybe four. It's quoted um, by Paul at the very end of Acts. So it's a very seminal verse that's used throughout the New Testament, too. And this is what it says. And just sort of picture, like if you're Israel, and you're hearing a prophet come up, or you're hearing someone come up and tell you this, it says, Keep on hearing, but do not understand Keep unseen, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, 
lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So as you read this on the face of it, it's like, I can still remember Peter. <laughs> I remember Peter, you were like, one night we were struggling with this because we would read this passage. Since we've started Isaiah, we would read this every week. And it's like, what does this have to do with it? You can see how odd this is here because it's like God is telling Isaiah to go tell the people, don't understand God. Don't hear God. I mean, what is, it just is odd, right? <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, it, it almost reminds you of the encounter with Pharaoh, you know, when God said, you know, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And so you look at this passage, you go, what in the heck is going on here? And just as a summary, as we can sort of move past and see this in the New Testament today, is that what's happening here, we looked at two weeks ago, is what is being addressed here is Israel's main sin and primary sin was worshiping other idols. All right, And they had fallen, as we know, it didn't take them long to worship other idols once they came out of Egypt. Okay, I mean, Moses goes up to the top of the hill. All right, they had met God. The people had seen God. They know that God's there. They, God just rescued them from Egypt. Okay, and Moses goes up to the top of the hill, comes back down. What are the people doing? Making idols. Okay. And one key thing here that we learned in Isaiah 1 through 5 is this is the people doing this is Israel. The people doing this is God's people. The people doing this are people who still believe Yahweh is their God. And yet they are not just worshiping Yahweh. They're now sort of trying to do both. <laughs> okay, And so that's what ha- has happened to Isaiah and to Israel here, is they are now worshiping these idols. And we saw a lot in 1 through 5, and we will see a lot as we go through the rest of Isaiah, of how key this idol worship is. And what we looked at specifically was, well, what is happening here? Why is God saying, like, they can't hear God, they can't see God, they can't understand God, their hearts are hardened? Why is that happening when they're worshiping idols? And why don't we, if you have your Bibles, why don't we turn right now to Psalm 115. Again, this is a review from two weeks ago, but it sets us up for where we're going is and Jeff you've said this a few times now in our last two weeks I think you used this passage uh-huh. didn't you I used it two weeks ago and then referred back again Yeah. this last Sunday such mm. a good one so what happens I don't know if you ever thought about what happens when we worship idols Okay. what happens when we take what we should be giving to God what we should be revering with God what we should be acknowledging God for, what happens when we turn that to something else other than God that is supposed to be of God? It's supposed to be God's? We become fools. Well, and that's what it says. We become like them. We become like them, exactly. Exactly. One of the same. Yeah, so if you look at 115, (laughs) Psalm 115, verse 5, listen to what it says. And so this is using actually the same language of the mouth and the hearing and and everything that we see in Isaiah right now. They have mouths, meaning idols, but they do not speak. What does an idol do? <laughs> it's just a piece of wood. 
okay, or whatever. You know, if you have a car and you idolize your car, your car doesn't speak to you, okay? Um, they have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not um, see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. So there is the description of idols that people are worshiping. Mm -hmm. But it's the next sentence <laughs> mm -hmm. that reveals what happens when you worship something other than God. It says, those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them referring to the idols. What hit you about this? I'm wondering, you know, you've used it now the last two weeks. Oh, I um, think that just the way that we are shaped by our affection, right? Mm -hmm. And so seeing that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, seek first, right? And, you know, and then you get all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. it's, so it's this displacing when these idols steal that affection for God what's being formed in us is our own humanity, our own self-centeredness and mm -hmm. we like, like yeah. shrivel under that yeah. so what we talked about um, two weeks ago was we are created, as we know in Genesis we're created in the image of God as being, image, as being created in the image of God we are designed to image God <laughs> to actually reflect God. So we were using this little illustration with these mirrors that I handed out two weeks ago. So you have a mirror. What do we mostly use a mirror for? To look at ourselves. <laughs> okay. But what God says in with what you have in, in all of Scripture is you, we, as people created in the image of God, are now ones who reflect. We are mirrors that reflect the image of of what we worship. Mm. Okay. So what we worship, what we revere, what we consider important, we are supposed to be and we're designed by God to be mirrors to others of God's glory, of God himself, like become like God. When you worship an idol, you are becoming, <laughs> mirroring what that idol is. And here's what Isaiah is saying that's so, I think, just sort of shocking in a way, is that what Isaiah is saying is that you are, in the psalm here, you're worshiping something that cannot hear, cannot speak, and cannot understand. And the result of that, and really also the judgment of that, is you yourself become unable to see, hear, and understand God. So the judgment is you become like the idol and the things of God and the ways of God and hearing and understanding and following God. You may even think you are and you don't even know it. This is the scary part. You right. don't even know that no longer are you. You might speak the language okay, of God, but what you're really doing is just you become dumb and deaf and your heart is hardened 
and you are unable to even know that. That's the judgment of what happens when we worship yeah. something. We get other. very sarcastic when you get into that mode too. Yes. You see people all the time. They get always they're <clears throat> angry and they're sarcastic about everybody. Right. Right. Don't, don't you think some of that is like, like why would you worship Yahweh and idols? Right, and you go. Would you like to straddle? Well, yeah, and I, <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah. I think the idols you can control. Yeah. Hmm. Like, I think you, what you you're think right. you can control. You're right. right. Yeah. You can well, control I mean, the if idol. you you do this, you're this, and this, it's like it's almost like formulaic, right? So it, it like fits within our control. Yeah. Whereas with God, you have to completely give up control. That's right. Yeah. That's Again, but the irony there is that the Old Testament and the law is extremely prescriptive. Yeah. And with the idols of other of other nations, you never know whether or not they're pleased or not. That's why you're trying to do more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we must not have done enough. The crops yeah. failed. Let's That's do good. more and do more. But at least you're, I guess, you know, maybe those are some of the things you want to do. Uh, whereas with Yahweh. You have to, it's like self-denial and, you right. know, living righteously but, and these things that may not be attractive. But, but the idols aren't necessarily other, other. they aren't necessarily just other gods. No. Well, no. No. So our society is a perfect example of that. Perfect People aren't necessarily worshipping other gods. It's like most of Christians, right? You're doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're just, oh yeah, I believe in God. But let me go check my stock portfolio, because that gives me comfort. Right. Because if I know I'm controlling that, or I've got my bitchin' job, or I've got my bitchin' house, and my bitchin' wife, and all that good stuff, and everything's cool, right? I can control that. So. Yeah. But when your wife leaves you and your stock portfolio fails, then you go back to God. Yeah. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> You're saying about how you have all that. Been there, done that. Yeah. Yep. That's, there's the eye opener. That's yeah. right. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess you know, in in the ancient days, there were literal idols. It was easy to see. It's easy to say yeah. this was created and formed by your own hand, and you can see it and touch it, and it's deaf, dumb, and blind. And it, and it means nothing, right? But in our day, it's like we are we are blind to our idols. Our society is blind exactly. to its yeah. idols. That's the subtle part. So we're so we're blind, right? <laughs> so we're like blind to those things. But what is it? What what do we idolize? What are we fed subconsciously, or you know? Yeah. And I think so. Big, so it's kind of different. Yeah. Well, and the big judgment <laughs> here is yes no. not only are you blind to the idols that you're doing it, but you then, this is a judgment in essence in Isaiah. God says, then you are becoming blind to your ability to even see me, know me, or understand me anymore. And so we are losing, we literally are cutting God off and not even knowing it. And not even being aware of it. Which Which is, I think, the thing that I want to sort of focus on tonight. Okay, so... All of us could be doing that right now. <laughs> Probably are. How do we even know that we are? How do we even get out of that? Or how, and if we see someone else doing it, what do we do? Um, 
and you've got this problem where, okay, so I'm being blind to the very fact I'm doing it, so I don't know I'm doing it. And you can see, though, there's hope in this verse from Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. What's it say? It says, and turn and be healed. So there's this idea that if you turn, okay, you will be healed. Something will happen if you if you, if, <laughs> if you can turn, okay. Um, and in fact, even we were looking at uh, let me turn that real quick. Second Corinthians, Second um, Corinthians three eighteen, two weeks ago, where it says, and it sort of has in part the answer of what we're talking about here. In three eighteen, it says, um, but when one turn, well, I'll just I'll read the. Let me start at the beginning. So, since we have such a hope. We are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. See that blindness we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read... This is to the Israelites in that day. The, a veil lies over their hearts. That's their hardened hearts. But when one... Now here's the key. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then it says, And we all... Think of this mirror now again. We all with unveiled face. And it says, As if looking in a mirror see the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So as we turn and we put our worship and our focus back on the Lord, we then begin to reflect the very Lord we were creating the image to reflect. Okay, Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So um, what I want to focus on tonight is the New Testament usage of this phrase in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, and specifically what Jesus does with this passage. Um, before we do that, I want to, you know, we just jumped a little bit, seeing how we were talking about how Israel, I think Peter was talking about, like, how Israel was creating these images, okay, and worshiping them. And one of the things I keep forgetting to say is believed that very possibly Isaiah, the beginning of Isaiah 6 um, where there's the meeting of God and God comes to Isaiah and cleanses him that that is um, sort of a judgment and irony of what they did with idols back in the day um, of Israel they would actually go through a ceremony of infusing the idols with the presence of a God so they would create an idol, but then they would take that idol and go through a ceremony. They knew that that wasn't really the God, Ironic. but this ceremony would, they believed, infuse the image with this God, which they could then now worship and sacrifice to. Okay, so... <laughs> sort of interesting how, how they did that. So they actually did go through, they didn't just make an image and go, oh, that's an idol. They actually went through a process of that idol becoming the God 
of the gods that they're worshiping. They kind of birth. This, this is yeah. all post Abraham. <coughs> post post Abraham. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 These. I mean, before Abraham. Well. <laughs> yes. Post Abraham. All right. Um, so I want you to turn to Mark seven. So that's how. So we see in in Isaiah, we see mostly that what they're doing in the time of Isaiah is they're still no, they're still creating um, yeah. images. Okay, they're still creating actual physical images in which they're worshiping in one way or the other. Okay, um, but if you turn to Mark seven, I want you to see what idol worship was becoming like in the day of Jesus. Alright, so Mark 7. Everyone there in the Bibles? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. Um, yes, yeah, okay. And as I read this, listen to some of the same languages you hear in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Listen to the language of the senses, the hearing, the seeing, the understanding, um, sort of picking up the same thing that we're seeing in Isaiah. So it says um, in in verse 1, it says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. See, washing hands goes way back. Um, and when they had come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy to you, hypocrites, it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but with their heart is, far, is their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. Honor your father and your mother. Whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his mother or father thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. What are they worshipping now during the time of Jesus? So what is the idol, what has become the idol in the time of Jesus here? The law, the, the tradition. The rules. The, well, their tradition, yeah. not, not tradition. Yeah. Right, yeah, so made exactly. Up, made up tradition. Right. You guys remember from Galatians, good it, yeah. law, well, there's it, it could be the Old Testament law, but that's not what they're talking about here. They're talking about these traditions that the Pharisees have all added on and all requiring the people to do, and they're all feeling that for me to be good with God, I need to keep doing these traditions. So they end up idolizing these traditions that have all come out of the Pharisees and other people wanting to control people. Okay? Getting things to do. 
Doesn't it just blow one's <laughs> mind? You look at Catholicism. You, well, they, you, part of it may have been, again, because the rabbinical structure was such that they, that the common people, couldn't read the Torah. They didn't have access to it. Uh-huh. Right? So as far as they were concerned, the law was whatever they were told. Right? It was like, hey, you know what? I'm not reading that. Right? But that's always a blows around people, don't they? Just people just go, hey, wait a minute, I don't think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Why are we going along with this? Like now. Right. Uh, every day. Just go, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? Well, because they said to. Because, right. Oh. Right. Which, yeah. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to do something a little different. We're going to actually practice <laughs> this idea of how do we turn. Okay? Mm-hmm. How do we know if we're worshiping idols? How do we, how do we, and how does Jesus tell us that we're to sort of move from this point of where we're blind to what we see? We can't hear with our ears, and we can't understand with our hearts. Okay, and we're going to take a look at a passage that is in the Gospels. Okay, so we have, we have the three Gospels: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Isaiah six nine through ten is used at a very very key place in all three of those Gospels. Very key. It's used at the t- place where Jesus starts teaching. And he starts specifically teaching in parables. And Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 is quoted by Jesus in all the three Gospels. Because Jesus is trying to say, I want to help you understand how to understand. <laughs> okay? I want to help you to hear. I want you to help you to see. I want you to help you to turn so you are not coming upon the judgment of idolizing something else. So we're going to do. We're going to practice that. All right. Do some of those different. Yes. Do you have you read into the significance of the order of these things, lest they see with their eyes, and and their stats see with their uh huh, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and finally turn and be healed. Not the reverse mm-hmm. order, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not to say. I, I, you know, I, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I right. have no idea what that means, but I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, I got nothing to lose, so let's go for it, right? Right, right. It's speaking of a specific order, it seems like. Right. Good question. Close your Bible. I want all of you to close your Bibles. Okay. You're not going to open your Bibles. You're not going to use your phones. <laughs> okay. We're going to practice. This is a situation that I'm going to take you through. I'm going to take you through Matthew 13. And this is what happens in Matthew 13. Is that Jesus gets up in the morning, and at this point his ministry is at the Sea of Galilee. So he's up in northern Israel, where he spent a lot of his time doing his ministry. And he comes out. And all of a sudden, he immediately sees. This is when you know he's becoming very popular, um, and he sees just crowds of people starting to come around him. And this is what's described at the beginning of Matthew 13. All these different crowds come around, and they're just pressing on him, pressing on him. 
Well, the Sea of Galilee is like a big lake. If you think of any kind of big lake, okay? And so what Jesus does is to be able to get away from the crowds, but to ultimately speak to them, he says to his disciples, hey, come here, follow me. And they all go down to where the um, beginning of the Sea of Galilee, the lake is, all right? And they all jump into a boat, all right? And they push off a little bit. And this is not unusual because when you're there, what happens is you tend to have these hills that go up, all right? So people can gather around. You get out a little bit, just a little bit of the boat, and when you talk, everybody hears you. Carries. Okay? You don't need any kind of megaphone or anything, all right? And so that's exactly what Jesus did. He pulls out into the water. He's got his disciples with him. And this is what he says. He says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed... Some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, <laughs> where the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, because they had no root. Other seed fell upon thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. And still other seed fell on good soil, where produced a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So that's what Jesus said to the people. They say, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want. So I want you to think... You just heard that, and that is that is what Jesus said. <laughs> you just heard that. I don't know if he had seed to throw out. <laughs> the people got it. They were in agriculture. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. The farmer. So your disciples sitting in the boat with Jesus. All right. What would you do at this point? What would you do at this point? What would you do? I mean, I, I, Jesus just said, what do you, mean, you just heard you Jesus respond? speak. How would you respond? What would you, how would you, how would you respond? Jesus just said what I just said. Right. Okay. And Jesus ends it with, what did he, how did he end it? He said, whoever has ears, does it sound a little bit like Isaiah? Whoever has ears, let him hear. Hmm. Clearly, no one would say anything because all of us are like, what? <laughs> well, what would you yeah, say? You're a disciple not, in the boat. Yeah. You, so, you, when you're saying, what would you say? Well, well, how would you when respond? You, when when yeah. you got alone with Jesus? After no, the no, you're right there. You're right there. <laughs> Figure, right, you're right there in the boat. You'd, you'd, say, say, you'd say, I get it. You get yeah. it? Sure. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, if you're a disciple of him, maybe, I mean, maybe you'd understand it because you're the I mean, your hearts with God. Well, we know the we know the disciples didn't because <laughs> yeah, they say, "Master, please explain right. us the meaning of the parable." And he says, uh-huh. "Are you still uh-huh. so dull?" Yeah. Okay. Well, you know that because you, you've read that before. Okay. So right. So again, you're a disciple. So you would ask questions. Jesus just spoke to you. All right. You guys are the disciples. All right. You're the ones who have been following this guy. What are you What are you going to ask Jesus? I mean, I love John's Explain first it. response. What? <laughs> what would you want to ask Jesus? How do we understand this? 
Yeah. How do we understand this? Oh, okay. All right. Just keep listening. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> yeah. question. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How are we supposed to understand How are we supposed to? Okay. How what do we else? apply this to our lives? Yeah. All right. I've got to find the good soil. Well, Put my roots well, in there like good soil. Doesn't okay. it feel like the power of it is like, like our tendency would be to say, what does it mean? Okay. Right? Versus uh-huh. you see really the strength of it is what is the soil of my own heart, right? So you would exactly. go almost as like it's inner heart. To listen with a sort of inner <laughs> conviction, right, maybe. Well, but, 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 but that's only because you know it's about that's people because you've no heard the explanation. Pete, I just did it. <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what you're kind of, a disciple. What, what kind of crop was it? So, what kind of crop was? What kind of crop were we talking about? I'm serious. Yeah. So, what would you think? Yeah. No, you guys, true. I'm, I'm going to pretend I'm Jesus right now. I mean, like, come on, disciples. What, what do you? you, you do you, do well, you get it? At that, yeah. I mean, do you really get? It? You've heard this if, for the first time. If you didn't time. know the meaning of it, you wouldn't, I wouldn't get it. So, what would you do? I just beg you, explain. Talk to me more. I mean, what would yeah. you say? Explain it more. Explain it more. Very explain good. It deeper. Yeah, just like explain it more. Explain it more. At some point, doesn't he tell them to go think about it, right? They yeah, there's yeah. times though where they ask and he tells them go think about it. Right? Yeah, but no, he doesn't do that. I think we can also look at how we like right now as you're challenging <laughs> yeah. us. It's like how have we? Like when I hear that that passage, it's like how have I received it right here? Or when I first heard it, I know you know just sharing with you guys, it was like you know I hope I'm. I hope I'm that good, you know, and you get a little, am I going to be that, you know, am I going to, am I, because in times in my life I felt like it was on that thorny ground or it was on that, and and it's like, oh my God, what do I have to do to be that one scenario where it's good? And I mean, I struggle with that all, I don't know about you guys, but it's like, I want to be that good soil, but I struggle with the other two scenarios too at times in my life. So how would I receive it back then? Probably the way I receive it right now, which is, I want to be that good soil. Okay, mm-hmm. so what would you would you ask Jesus something at this point? I'd want to be right next to him. I mean, I just like yeah. just okay, just how do I become the good soil? Just yeah. don't don't get away from yeah. me. Don't yeah. all right. Well said, Chris. Yeah, yeah Chris, I love what you just said to yeah. both of you. <laughs> Chris is, yeah, that's awesome. And you yeah, just said what yeah. what do I do right? How'd you say, Chris? Would you just say? Just how do I how do I become the good soil? How do I become exactly. the good soil? Mm-hmm. Right. Add manure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the hand. So the different ways now, you guys listen to yourself. This is how, I mean, if you look at the different versions of this, um, the setting in all three Gospels, you have some different responses. And now you pretty much have hit those responses. Um, one time the disciples said, you know, what does it mean? Tell us what it means. Explain it to me. That's exactly what they asked Jesus. All right. Um, and the other one was, you know, why are you speaking to us in parables? Just tell us what you mean. Exactly. Okay, is what they're wondering, too. Don't give us a riddle. Right, right. And so, in all these instances, Jesus then responds by saying, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, it's all spelled out. I'm doing this because I want... Um, them to hear, okay. What what's what am I forgetting? How does it start? I'm going to forget. Um, to see, hearing, to hear, 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 but not keep understand. on. Sorry, keep on hearing. 
but do not understand is what Jesus said. Said, okay, I, I'm doing this because these people they keep on hearing but do not understand. They keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people grow dull, and their ears heavy, and their eyes blind, so they can't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Right. So Jesus you read repeats that Isaiah. Bottom point. You yes. Hit, you hit bottom. Exactly. Then you can turn and be healed. Exactly. So what ends up happening? Jesus says this, and then this is what's so remarkable about this passage and where it's used, is because in all three of these instances, when Jesus tells us what's called the good soil parable, he does something he doesn't do with all the other parables. Hmm. He explains it. Hmm. He actually gives, tells them what the parable means. Because this is looked at as the parable upon parable, a parable about parables, a parable of parables. This is the parable that Jesus tells that said, if you know what it means, you will understand everything else I tell you. Yeah. Goes back to what you just said, okay? And what you said, it's like, how do we do this? How do we become good soil? How do we become like Jesus? And so in this situation, Jesus now is going to give that answer to those disciples. So they have been long, be like, what? It kind of like perks an interest in everybody. It's almost like, how do I become the good soil? It's like, well, turn to me and I'll show you. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Okay? It really does pique an interest. Yeah. But doesn't he say, um, you know, somebody, I don't know if it's right here, but they say, why are you speaking to people in parables? And then, well, he, and then he quotes Isaiah he does. six, right? But and then he says, but it, but it's for you to understand, right? Right? As his disciples, for you to understand. So I'm going to give you the the interpretation, exactly, because it's for you to understand. But these people are not understanding. understanding. Yeah, like me either. They're on the mill. Par- like yeah. I do, uh, yeah. I don't want them to understand. Yeah. Almost. Well, kind of. But in a sense, it's like he obviously like God wants them to understand, to understand. But yeah. that this is what parables do. This is why parables are so key in the ministry of Jesus, because parables are designed to try to help people to unlock right. <laughs> that stupidness and that deafness and blindness to get people to see something that they wouldn't normally see. That's really the purpose of what parables try to do. So Jesus is saying, "You people are this way." And I'm telling these parables to hopefully help people yeah. snap out of it, to turn. Yeah. To ask that right. question. Exactly. Yeah. To ask that question. All right. Exactly. All right. So, I want you to now listen to the answer that Jesus gave. Okay? So, it ended with, whoever has ears, let him hear. Jesus then goes and he quotes Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And then they ask him, tell us what it means. Okay? Thankfully someone asked that. Alright? And this is what Jesus said. And I have to just... <laughs> I have to remember, go back to Jesus. What did you say, Jesus? Um, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When people hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed sown on rocky ground refers to people who hear the word 
and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Other seed, the other the seed that fell among the thorns, refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, chokes the word, making it unfruitful. The seed falling among good soil refers to people who hear the word and understand it. They produce a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So now I want you to do what Jesus is really telling us to do. I want you to listen. You just heard the answer. You just heard Jesus tell you what this represents. Okay? And I want you to think for a moment. I want to just go through and see how well you heard <laughs> with your ears. All right? So how many different places, how many different types of soil did the seed fall on? This is my first question to you. Four. Three. Four. Four together. I hear three. I hear four. So we had we rocky, okay. thorny, the road. The road. The road. Oh, the and road. Good soil. Yeah. And the good. The four. four. Okay. Four. Excellent. Excellent. What is the seed? The word. The word. The message. The, word. the, the word. message of the kingdom. Exactly. The message of the kingdom. The word of God. Okay? <clears throat> exactly. Okay? Tell me the order in which the seed, the, tell me the order that Jesus tells of these four different places that the word of God fell in. What's the very first one? The road. The road. Okay. The rock. The rock. The thorns. The thorns. And the goods. And the good. Wow. Oh, you guys are <laughs> sharp. What do you know about the first three? What do all the first three have in common? No, no fruit. No fruit. Okay. Exactly. Do you see? Any, I didn't see that. What do you see as the difference between the first three? What is Jesus doing in the first three? Do you see anything that he's doing in the way he's telling about the first three? He knows that. He's explaining why the seed won't take root, won't grow, won't bear fruit. Fantastic. Exactly. He's explaining why they're Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. <laughs> okay? Exactly. Why does Jesus do it in the order he does? Think about the order of those first three now. Seems From like it's progressively better. I mean... what? It's what? It progressively seemingly better. More African, maybe. It's progressively seemingly better. <laughs> like, um, uh, it's better... It's worse to be on the road. Than in the rocks, because at least in the rocks you you spring you you spring up, yeah. okay. And then in the in the weeds, it seems like it's persistent. You're you're not necessarily mm. withering away, okay. And you're you're persisting, but you're just not bearing fruit. So it's progressively it's progressively better. Uh, yeah, like kinda. if you're on the road, you're you're completely away from God, in a way. Yeah. If you're on the road, you're, road, you're, road, you're completely away yeah. from God because. 
Could the road be the byways of life? It's just normal. Well, they're all they're all typical strata of human. Yeah, exactly. Some are harder though. Right. So I love what Bruce just said there. So I sort of hear this. Well, it's getting better. Is it getting better? No. No. I said seeming. I said seemingly. That was my qualifying word. Okay, but but what's important about that seemingly is why does it appear seemingly that it's getting better? Because I want you to think about our own experience. That's the illusion of the enemy. That's exactly right. Well, what makes money. What makes it seem like it's hot water slowly? What makes it seem like it's seemingly better? Like somehow it seems to be better be number three than it is to be better. Than number one. Because the world's perspective, number three would be pretty cool. I could still okay. function all right. Right, they're just I'd in the weeds. Well, well, yeah, you're in Bramley, but but none of them are worth anything. Okay. You're still dead. Exactly. Uh, if it's golf, the 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 fairway <laughs> is like, hey. Yeah. And then you're like in the rocks and in the weeds. That's right. Kind of. You're off the fairway. I don't know. Either way, you're you you don't live. Either, either way, the spirit can't. We well, have to get to live. the end of the fairway. So what happens? So what happens? Think about the um, progression here. Think about just even time. The progression. Maybe just think about your own life, or think about examples of where the seed and the first example, of the word of God, is is what? What's immediately? The, yeah. So immediately, it's, it's immediacy. like sort of in one ear and out the other, right? Okay. Doesn't even stick. And then the next one is the word of God sticks. sticks. And what what is the response in the second one? Hardness. No. Think and about and the response. It's really funny. It's really but, interesting. Yeah, you get you're joyful. You're, you yeah, yeah. can't yeah. believe it. How fantastic yeah. it is. Have you guys ever Started seen that with, before? You think right, you've seen that? Yeah. You believe <laughs> You think you've arrived? Right. Yeah, exactly. Could be a new believer. Could be all the hype that's going on. I mean, I, I, I always seem to think of like a Billy Graham con, uh, you know, um, thing or something. You know, all these thousands of people come down. I love Jesus, and they're not believers or something even, and they're like, yeah, and the belief. And then it's like, just for the moment. A week later, do you it's see gone. them anymore? Do they go to church? They're no. just gone. No. no, but they were all super excited right then. That's right. But it didn't stick. All right. So then, what happens on the third one though? The third soil. What happens on the third soil? They're yeah. Well, it seems like a good idea. It's more like a life they, they can They can receive it. They can uh-huh. kind of like let it in. Yeah, so you get the, the the plant. Listen, the plant grows up, right? Yeah. So what happens on the yeah, second yeah, yeah. soil? The plant, the sun comes up. It's there. Yeah, it okay. takes root. It starts and to And actually grow, what's funny is this is what actually happens. And this is actually speaking to the agriculture in Israel. In Israel, you have a plot of land. I went and looked at some of this land of how they do this. And you'd have a plot of land and you'd have paths going around the land that marked off your plot of land. Yep. So when they would throw seeds, they'd throw it out there. Yep. And it would some would hit the path that you'd walk along. Some would hit the rocks that are sort of forming around the path, and then some hit the good soil. Okay. Or some you'd get a bunch of weeds, right? And you see the plant starting to come up. Looks like this thing's gonna produce fruit, you know. It's been growing for a long time, and the thorns come up, and whoops. And most people live in the weeds that I've known in my life. Uh, very good, John. Yeah. That's interesting. Most people live in the weeds. 
Which means what? How did you know they're living in the weeds? Because they're flying upside down. Mm-hmm. They're doing everything backwards. And they're struggling mm-hmm. day to day. A lot of anxiety, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration. Uh-huh. And they have no idea how to get out of it. Yeah. Because they're choking, like you said. You're struggling to choke. You're idolizing the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. What if we Very don't know the Christians? Very good, Very good they're, they're unknowns for that same reason. Yeah. Yeah. There's no fruit, no light. No. The, and, the and people have always that. wondered, you know, are these four, is it a person? Probably not. It could be a place all of us could be. What do we do when we hear the Word of God? Okay. Does sometimes we it sticks, and sometimes it goes in one ear at the other, and sometimes, you know... Produces fruit, maybe, maybe not. So it could be all different. If he doesn't really say here. All right. So we have three places the word of God falls. All fulfilling Isaiah six nine through ten that they don't hear and they don't see. What do all four have in common? What does Jesus say that all four have in common. They all hear the word. Very good, Chris. They all hear the word. You guys get that? Yep. All four of them. You well, talk sir. about progression, Jason, mm-hmm. is what we're getting to. When you talk about progression, what's the first thing they all heard the word? Okay. But only one soil did this. He knows what I'm going to tell you. Only one oh, did this. Oh. I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. <laughs> Is that the 36 or 100? <laughs> well, very, very good. Very Am I the only one that's sort of bothered by that? Because, <laughs> sorry for backtracking, but when no, you, I don't. thought there were six yeah. kinds of soils. Uh huh. But I. Right, because there's three that were nice. ding, ding, and ding. Yeah. <laughs> am I the only one that's thinking, well, gosh, am I in the hundred? Fourth, fifth, or sixth. Yeah. Because yeah. right? like, what is it that made the hundredfold? Like, right. Like, I well, want to, like, live in that corner. Yeah, yeah and notice how, how and Jesus... And then was, like, the care of the world, like, yeah, looking right, yeah. over, like, whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that guy's, you're only, thir- only 30 oranges on his, but he's got 60 on his little arms. <laughs> right? But... Think about for a moment which they is the soil that. which is the soil that produces a hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown. Which which soil was that? The, the good, good soil. soil. The good soil. Yeah. Exactly. I was just hearing like there's pockets of better good soil. Uh, well, what's interesting though is that of the talents like this, this, this fourth soil is is called the good soil. And Jesus is saying, you might see a crop that looks like this. You might see a crop with a few grapes on it. You might see a crop that's got ten times of this from one plant. But he's not focused on that. He's focused on the fact that what does this plant do? They're all equal regardless. It's almost that's like right. it's almost like that's the, right. the hundred, thirty, or sixty is like a like a, maybe the man's right. talents or so you can like think about like, oh the man might have more talents but he's still in good soil. So exactly. Well, so that's like my point. Like I talents, feel like yeah. I'm the I'm the guy that's getting choked out. <laughs> right? Because I'm the cares of the world are like, Whoa, what the heck's going on in that corner yeah. of the 
feel. But this plant, is this the plant with the carrot of the world? They're getting... No, I know, that could, exactly. That could be the care of the... Yeah. How come yeah, that guy's yeah. crushing it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. But so, which which one is this? Which soil? Good. Six. Good. <laughs> That's a hundredfold. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Jesus is concerned that he wants all of us to be what? The... It's a good soil. That takes the word of God. It's a really good soil. And produces a crop. Yeah. He's sure not even so much those. concerned. Hey, you might do 100, I might be do 60, you know, Jeff might do 30, you know, Charlie might do 1,000. The, the point is that there is what? Fruit. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's alive and it's fruiting. Right. Yeah. That's all. Okay. So, yeah. but if he's the vine and we the branches, then who's the roots? <laughs> you're mixing, mixing metaphors. <laughs> yeah, you're mixing more. But although the metaphor, the metaphor can be mixed a little bit. All right. So we said that the whole point of what we're trying to do is we want to be a people, right? That turn. <laughs> what is it? What is it that's going to keep us away from focusing on the idols to be like Isaiah 6, 9 through 10? What is What did Jesus say in the explanation of this parable? What is it about the good soil that is different from all the other soils that produced no fruit? There's only one thing one word, one word that Jesus used that makes a difference between you see this or you get nothing. Listen. One word. Oh, good. Obey. No. One word. Now listen. This is the word that literally makes the complete difference of are you going to turn? Are you going to produce fruit in your life? Are you going to take the abiding of the vine and turn into this? One word, Jesus said. You all listened, didn't you? Whoever has ears, let him hear. Did you really hear? One word. I've not heard the word yet. You haven't heard the word yet when? Just right now? Right now. <laughs> just right now. <laughs> yeah, the whole... Let's <laughs> <the real, laughs> go back rewind. Are you asking us for the word? I'm asking you for the word. Oh, love. No. Nope. Here. No. Nope. Was it a word that you said earlier when you read it? Jesus said okay, it. Okay, okay. He said sure. the good soil, and he said the one word that makes the difference between you produce no fruit in your life with God's word, none. I'm going to okay. go and understand. Receive? How about we read it again? We're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have Bibles back in Jesus' day, only the Old Testament, so Old this tradition. wasn't even in there yet. You know, if you were Jesus, we would be listening. <laughs> <laughs> but what would we have heard? <laughs> we have heard. Yeah. All right. Wait. What you, 
Anybody else want to guess? All right. What did you say, Peter? I said understands. Peter is right. Very close. You didn't say I was right before. Now you made me question myself. <laughs> now, now I'm always going to be messed up on that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want you guys to turn to Matthew so you can look at it. Turn, turn to Matthew yeah. 13. Oh, That's right. Upon right. that rock. <laughs> All right. Turn to Matthew 13. I want you to look at verse 23. In fact, turn um, just turn to Matthew 13 for a second. Let's just just to, to review what we just did. So Matthew 13, okay. So you can see what I did was we started out by reading the parable. I set up the situation for you, okay. So I, so I set the situation for you, and then. Um, Jesus goes and says, you know, uh, uh, and there's different ways to say it. My, I have a different version I memorized. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and so he says it. Then you can see that what the disciples do is they say to him, why do you speak in parables? And if you look at the other versions, some of them say, what, why, what do you mean, in essence? And then you can see right there, this is where Isaiah quotes, I mean, well, not, sorry, when Jesus quotes Isaiah, all right, 6, 9 through 10, and then... Jesus then begins in verse 18 where he actually gives the explanation of the parable that you just heard. Now, if you take a look at verse 23, again, remember all of them heard the word. That's what's so key. <laughs> you know, sort of convicting for any time you're opening up the word or preaching the word or telling the word or whatever, you know, all heard it. Okay, but only one soil produced a crop. Why did it produce a crop? Because it says in verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, as all the other ones did, and understands it. Okay? And if you remember in Isaiah, this goes back to what Jason was talking If you remember in Isaiah, notice the progression. There's hearing, there's seeing, and then there's understanding. But what is really key here is when it says the word understand, and Jesus quotes this from Isaiah, it's not just understand like head knowledge. Understanding is always put together with the heart. In Scripture, the heart is the whole person. Okay, It's not like just, we think a lot of times heart, we can think of just our inner self. Um, heart in Scripture is always like refers to the whole will and everything that makes a person what's a person. Okay, It's really like the whole person. And so he's saying you've got to understand with all of you, okay? And understand is a relational term, okay? It's a term where it's not just, you know, I figure out one plus one equals two, but it's actually a relational term. It's the same like in John 15, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, all right? And then he says, how do you abide in me? The very first way he says you abide in you, abide in him is by listening to his words, so it's not just reading the word for information about God. It's actually relating with God. You can it, wrestling with God. We, we heard about how in Isaiah it says we are to reason with God. Um, it's a lot of what I pointed out like one time with Jason in his Galatians. I'll never forget his Galatians um, comment, his Galatians book when we went through Galatians. You know, if you opened it up, you know, example of that. You open it up. You know, you can see 
You know, he was like rustling with the words, okay, trying to really understand what does it mean. So you really get it. And so when you think of the word understand, I use the illustration relationally of like, if you're married, okay, your wife, there's a difference between just sort of saying to you, wait, first of all, we all know there are, I assume you do, wives uh, might say things like, it's just going in one ear and out the other, okay? <laughs> You're not really listening to me, That's right. all right? There's this idea of are we really hearing a person, but not just hearing them, are we really understanding, getting what they're saying? No. Okay? And that's what we're seeking with God and His Word, is we're taking that Word and we're saying, we're going to wrestle with that. We're going to wrestle with it until all of a sudden we feel God speaking to us and we go, ah, I got it. Now I get it, all right? But why is it so important to understand it? Because what's interesting is, notice the very first thing is you have to understand it. And when you get it and you go, oh, now I know what God wants me to do. Now I can apply it. Now you can apply it. Okay. You're not going to do the word until you really That's get it. That's for sure. All right. And in fact, you might think you are, but yeah. not happening. And in fact, what's somewhat hidden here, it is hidden. Um, I don't think that's my purpose. It's only because we are trying to translate into English here. But if you look at verse 23, notice that it says, He hears a word and understands it. And then it says, He indeed bears fruit and yields. Okay? That word, yield, okay, everyone see that? Okay. So I want you to just. Hold this pay place for a moment. I'm going to show you what that word yield actually means, huh? Where are you right now? So look at um, Matthew 13:23. Oh, okay. So you see where it says he understands it, and then it says what happens? You yield. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, you got that? Okay, turn to Matthew 7. There. How do you know this? Because I'm there. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> All right, Peter. One step ahead of me. Um, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> okay. So Matthew 7, verse 24. I want you to know, look, listen to what Jesus says here. He says, Everyone then who hears these words, right, and what? Does them. Does them. That word does, <laughs> do, is exactly the same word in Greek as the word yield. Puts, oh. puts into practice. Puts into practice. Exactly. So what Jesus is saying here is that when you you can hear the word, but then you've got to wrestle with God. You've got to wrestle with the word. You've got to really, really understand it. You go, People go like, why do I have to study? Well, it'd be sort of like me saying, well, why do I really have to understand what my wife does and says? I don't really need to understand it. No. If you don't want to know a person, you got to seek to really understand them. All right? That's the relational part. But here, when you get it and you hear God, like Isaiah heard God speaking to him, when you get it and you've studied the word and you go, I now know what it really, what God's trying to tell me here, your response will be, to do it and then God produces the fruit you don't even have to worry about producing the fruit 
And that's what's the amazing miracle of God, is he never says, we are to make fruit and bear fruit. It's he bears a fruit through us hearing his word, understanding his word. Then he bears that fruit through us abiding with him and doing that. Does that make sense? So, this is the answer to how you don't, how you always check yourself. Mm-hmm. What am I idolizing? <laughs> because if you stay in this word and you seek constantly to understand it, you're putting your focus where? On God. And through this word, I can guarantee you, like we've already seen in Isaiah, you guarantee you, God will convict you. <laughs> of places you find idols that you're worshiping that you may not even think about it. Okay, oh my gosh, wow, I've just been glued to the news. What I can make things up, okay? But what is it that I'm doing? And what the irony is, when you seek to understand God's word, automatically, when you do that, you are not able to idolize. <laughs> it's because you're focused it's, on it's God. Right. Protection. Exactly. So how do you know and how you keep from idolizing and making idols of things? You stay in the Word. You turn and be healed. Jesus is brilliant. (laughs) But this is the thing, and I will say, this is, I mean, uh, that's what grieves me when I hear people, I don't have to really study the Word. I can just can't, and I don't know the offense against Jeff. I can just kind of come in here, Jeff, preach the word. That's all I need. Bull. <laughs> Bull no. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm good with the man upstairs. Yeah. Each I person's got to get into this thing and <laughs> wrestle with it and wrestle with God mm-hmm. and take what they're hearing Jeff preach or what I'm doing right here. Don't take what I'm saying. Go home and study it some more. See what more God's going to speak to you through that. All right? That's how we all. Yeah. Produce this fruit. Don't you think, like, Isaiah is such a great picture of having modeled this, Absolutely. right? Because it's he hears it with such conviction. Yeah. Right. I just love that where he's like, he sees this holiness and goes, "Oh, woe is me!" Yeah. Right. And you're like, that's almost what keeps the soil good is this yeah. softness of heart that's able to be convicted by the truth. And you're bringing up a key aspect. Why did Isaiah, get to, why would that happen? Because Isaiah met God. And we can say, well, we're not going to have that vision like Isaiah. Guess what, everybody? The very presence of God that Isaiah was in front of now lives where? In me. In us. Yeah. When those angels say, like, <sighs> honestly, the whole earth is filled Full with this. glory. Right. Yeah. You know, it yeah. almost shows us how hard it is for us to see because it? it's all around us and we're like, and we're blind. Yeah. That's right. We're, we're blind. Yeah. I mean, that's what I love about the Word of God. It keeps taking us back and showing us, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. I didn't see the birds. Right. They were, God was taking care of them and I don't worry anymore <clears throat> about that, right? That's what Jeff preached on Sunday. So. Anyway, thoughts, questions? Are we doing something a little different tonight? We don't do this every night. But you do this every night but we should. <laughs> yeah, Jason. Uh, so something hit me the other day. I was sitting waiting for burritos, 
and uh, parked <laughs> downtown here, uh, right where it's totally legal, but um, oh, yeah, I that. in these stalls for a commercial building that it was after hours, nobody was there, but anyway, we're right on the edge of the Dawson Gallery. God was there, Jason. <laughs> The fullness of the glory of God. <laughs> no idols, the true God. Every, everywhere, I know. But God, That's right, know Jay, we already know he's in your car. You yeah. told so, us that a couple weeks ago. Totally. So, and yeah. he right. was super fine with me parking there, by the way, because something had to happen there. So anyway, I go on, I wait in the longest line ever, we finally get to order, then, okay, it's going to be like 20 minutes to get my order. So I go back to my car, because I want to make sure it doesn't get towed. And I go get into my car, and I'm looking, you know, I'm on the fence of the sculpture gallery, where there are these amazing, larger-than-life sculptures of humans doing magnificent movement patterns and so forth. And so, I'm inspired to read John 8. So I'm reading John 8, and as I'm reading it, um, uh, while I'm sitting there, I, it, 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 by the way, fantastic little chapter to pick up and mm -hmm. correlate with Isaiah. Mm -hmm amazingly mm -hmm. good and um, meanwhile I'm sort of glancing up at, at uh, these sculptures intermittently and suddenly it hits me to the point that you're making right there at the end of um, this sort of bold realization that may be one of those like if you said it to the right person they go duh right but uh, um, for me it was a bold realization which is Suddenly, all of creation, it all just, as it all started swirling around in my mind, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at these sculptures, and I realize something, that we, humans, are the masterpiece. We are the culmination, the high point of God's creative expression. Okay? So, if we all understood that, what would the impact be of that? If we were truly in love with God, and we understand that we are the masterpiece. The image of God. The masterpiece. What, how do we treat one another? Uh -huh. Would the concept of killing each other or harming one another? Oh, I was thinking more push-ups. <laughs> we would do that, <laughs> mind you. I was thinking more push-ups. Yeah, we would be giving each other push-ups. But one way or another, would, I mean, the, think about the way that, yeah. that, that sudden, just yeah. boom, instantaneous, complete switcheroo. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm looking at this sculpture garden, which is behind this, this like, ten-foot fence with spikes on it, right? <laughs> and I'm going, maybe I'm exaggerating that, but there is a ten-foot fence. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, what if a human went in and tried to steal one of these sculptures? They'd be, get shot or put in jail for stealing a sculpture of God's masterpiece made by a man. Just, it's, yeah, it's, it's a perfect analogy of how we are approaching life on Earth versus yeah. how we should be. And um, anyway, I just thought that was a, a fascinating yeah. realization. I wanted to share it. There you go. <laughs> well, I think you... It's you uh, and burritos. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and didn't get tough. Oh, right. <laughs> Red or green? Neither. I, it, it, combo steak and shrimp, but they threw the black and shrimp in there, which I don't dig. Uh, that messed the whole program up. But anyway. Yeah. That's good. And I, I think you're, that's, you're right on that if we really understood that all of us were created in the image of God and that we are his 
culmination of that, how would we treat each other? The, the highest That's, creation. Right. It's like if... I think, uh, yeah. And, and yet we are, are pushed to drug addiction, suicide, right. m- murder, uh, right. just abuse of ourselves, of others, etc. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, that's the, um, yeah. Kev, a thought. Yes. Don't you think in this that, I'm thinking like as you were sharing earlier, Chris, about like, you hear this and you go, which soil am I? One, two, or three, right? Mm-hmm. How many of you read that and go, I'm the good soil, right? Unless maybe you could point to some fruit or something like that. But you almost get the feeling like to recognize that you are bad soil makes you good soil. Yeah. <laughs> like the coal, the, the coal touches you, right? I think that's the turn. Right? right? right. Like you're the going, right. I'm rocky soil. And Jesus goes, yeah, I can work with that. I can dig you up, right? Or I can, I'm the one. That's your whole sermon was on Sunday, the worries, the worries of this life. Right. Yes. Choke. The yeah. Choking you. But the one who sees is the one who like, spots the condition. Well, the, yeah. that, that's Isaiah. The whole book, it goes, it, <laughs> yeah. it's churning and churning. Why do you think they, they killed those guys? Yeah. It's like, ah, I don't want to hear Jesus says in, in John 8. You can't bear to hear the truth right. about yourselves. Right. Yeah. And I, Isaiah continually, God's just going, hey guys, look at just let's, let's face the facts here. Yeah. All right. This is you. This is what you're doing. Don't pretend you're not. Just dig it, get into it, turn and be healed. Yeah. And think about the, the analogy of soil. Turn. Right. Mm-hmm. Turn. Exactly. Yeah. The dry, crusty, barren soil. <coughs> turn it to the fertile. Yeah. Yes. That's what we were called to do. That's precisely. We have to be constantly weeding ourselves. Right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Very good. Good way to put it. Get rid of the weeds. All right. Anybody else? We. Close it, yes, Chris. Um, when we do taste and see, I think the contrast, and you talked about the protection. I think when you've, you know, when you've struggled or you've you've been in that rocky soil, or um, and then you taste and see by, you know, being engaged in the word and, and like you're saying, um, striving to understand, and you taste and see and you feel that protection. It's like you don't want to get out from that place. You just you you run from sin. Mm-hmm. Like you, and then when sin creeps in, you say, "I don't. Nope, I'm not going there." Mm-hmm. And you run because where the protection is, where you taste and see, and you say, "I've tasted and see. I don't want to get near that sin." And it's actually scary because you know where that sin is is a lack of protection. Yeah. Is is that rocky ground? Is that um, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be there. And, yeah. and I think that's when you understand that your heart is so um, just in tune with the Father. And he's saying, you're my son. I don't want you in those places. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, you know, when you're broken, that's where um, he can really work when you're broken. Yeah. Because you don't want to, you don't want to um, mess with sin. And a lot of times you have to be broken. Mm-hmm. To get to that point, we yeah, are broken. Exactly. We are broken, and as we realize every day, yeah, if you walk out exactly. of your house feeling prideful or full of, you, you're gonna, you know, and he's like, no, 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 you just stay. And this word is supernatural. Yeah, it's it is. literally says, don't let it bind it, don't right. let it leave your eyes. And I mean, I take it literally. Uh-huh. Don't yes. even go uh-huh. one. 
you know. It is a way God's given us to know Him personally. Yeah. And if you want to actually stay in that place, then you stay in His Word 24-7. Wake up yeah. in the middle of the night, sing praises. I mean, literally, there's where, that's where safety and protection are. Absolutely. So. Very good. Chris. Yeah, yeah, very Taste good. and see. And once you have, it's like, I don't want it. I don't the world. No thanks. Right. No thanks. And then your friends that you want to share it with, it's like, man, I can't. I can't taste it for you, but I gotta tell you, if you can see, if you can hear, you're not gonna, you know. And that's that's that heart that we have to have. Like, man, I gotta get this to you. Yeah. But they have to. That's almost that wild, you know, thing. Where's are their eyes? Can they see it? Right. Are they accept? They all. Yeah. 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 Good. So understanding this spiritual reality, that this is the case. Is it a legitimate prayer to ask to be the hundredfold producer? Right. Like, Lord, I, I want this. Right. I, Lord, make me this. Right. Because it's not like it's you, anyways. If, it's if you will, abide in Him, it, it has to be His will. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, I mean, 30, 60, or 100. Yeah, I would. So. Uh, no, I just take this. As, <laughs> yeah, take this as Greg's opinion because I, I don't. I. I think he doesn't want us to focus on that. That's sort of part of the point of the parable. 160 or 30 doesn't really matter. What he's and you look at John 15. What matters is abiding in me and I in you. And the very first thing he says is the way you abide in me is first of all by being in my word. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that's always bearing the fruit. I went back and looked that up, bearing fruit and looking at the verbs and stuff. It's like it's never us bearing the fruit. It's Jesus like a, never it's, says it's like a I want you to go. If Your goal is not to, to go the vine. Then, yeah. it's, then it's kind of like a, an automatic thing. He just does it like this. Yeah. It just it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, God is the one who makes that seed grow and produce the fruit. When yeah, you understand, because what, 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 what we're doing, the fruit we're trying to bear is just the the glory of God, right? So right. what if what if good works? What if what if you're supposed yeah. to bear that one fruit that changes the world just the right way? Right, but it's only one. Right? He does say if you're faithful in the little things, though, he'll yeah, give you big he things to do. Right. Right. So maybe that's part of it. But I'm not sure. Yeah. I'd it's just. just but where's the focus the here? The focus is what you said at the beginning. The focus is not on how much fruit am I producing. The focus is in my understanding and staying abiding in God. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you that's focus the focus. On that, you're going to get more prideful in your faith, I guess. You know, put yourself on a different pedestal. Kind of like that example you had you know, one time Greg downstairs. David just wants to win. You know, I mean, I think that's <laughs> my I think if, you, I think if you look and then invest your time into that, then you're kind of drifting a little bit away. You know, yeah. You're putting your pride ahead of yeah. But is it pride to pray, though? Like, no, is it I because if you're praying for it, it's not like you can produce it. It's not like, it's not like hey, right. God, don't worry about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the hundredfold guy. Don't worry about me. I'm good. Versus well, like, Lord, he said to his will you make me this? Are you ready? Yeah. Because I can't cross. do it. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's all these crosses. It's about the yeah. It's yeah. about the cross. It's life by a thousand. Yeah. And I pets. think the caution is, bluntly, that's where the um, prosperity movement doctrine, prosperity Christian movement, mm-hmm. ha- took and went to the error of that, because all they're focused on is. Pray this so you get more goods and more of this, and it becomes an idol. 
And so I the fruit yeah, could I become an they, idol. Uh, so you just have to be careful you don't make the fruit the idol. There's, there's <laughs> I think they don't read the verses about in this world you will have tribute. No, they don't. Right. I don't think they read certain verses. <laughs> a, a lot of verses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's Jeff's sermon, because I, I don't get to be there. It's always through media. But the whole concept of anxiety is so pertinent. Straddling is a good word from John. Straddling the idols of, of my heart, you know, my whole life or whatever, one's heart with uh, our total America, California, everything, you know, career or whatever, is just it. I mean, it's just my daily idols. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just so wash, it's just washing on me. And I appreciate well, that. Thank you so much. To, to that note, I was just going to, what I was going to yeah. say just, just then was. It was like that. I'm so sorry, Jason. That message is like one of the biggest things in my total Christian walk. Mm -hmm. Is just thank you for sitting across from me right this second because that message is just so pertinent, Mm -hmm. along with all my other sin, but in a saved position. But that is just a right-on message. Yeah, that was a great message. Thank you. So, to that note. What's interesting is how I have found in all church exercises, readings, sermons, etc., etc., somehow we always skip the gnarly stuff. Don't dip into 11, 12, and 13. Let's skip that and move right into 7. No, let's talk about those. We are going to next week. Good. Yeah. Because why is at least half of this entire book gnarly stuff? Oh, yeah, more than half, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah more than half. Yeah. And to me, it's like, why do we delude ourselves with the idea that everything's peaches and cream? And if it isn't, I'm going to be filled with anxiety. When... Maybe this message says, hey, guess what? Get ready for destruction. You're, all your stuff is going to get lost. Blown away. Your so civilization is going to be history five times over. Because you guys are idiots. You keep doing it over and over and over again. And guess what? I, I've got I've, I've to purify the body. It just keeps happening. And don't keep whining about the individual. This is a totality thing. You're all one body, and I've got to wipe some of you out. Okay? It's for your own good. But if we really immersed in that, if we really read it, and we became comfortable with it, we understood it, we wrestled with it, we embodied it, all of a sudden, all that worry goes away. Goes away. It just really goes away. Permanently. Mm-hmm. Oh, so mm-hmm. everything's going to be good? I'm going to be the rich guy? I'm going to be this guy? I'm going to be the good guy? I'm going to be... Other? No, just, dude, you're, 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 you're always need to strive to be that good soil. And you might be rocky, you might be thorny, you might be whatever. You just get it. And, and, and there is going to be damage. There is going to be destruction. This stuff is just... Made. Just build that into your DNA because it's there. Mm-hmm. Recognize it consciously or be aware of it. So why don't you... We'll close with you reading... Our last verses there, 11 through 13. Then I said, how long, O Lord? Hmm. And he said... (laughs) Good question, huh? How long? Right. 
What a, what a question, too. <laughs> what? How long, O Lord, o Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is hmm. its stump. Yeah. Good the seed holy parable. seed is its uh-huh. stump. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I brought this up the other night, and I didn't quite understand why. And this this sort of this speaks to it, and I've been thinking about it more and more. Population, human population, was kind of just kind of going like this for like thousands of years, right? It was kind of going up, but not dramatically. And all of a sudden, just in recent years, it just went right. Fascinating. And there's always this talk about this number. There's always a percentage, a tenth, or some such thing. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. All right. Father, we thank you for this evening. Uh, two things I think of right now that just um, we so thankful for, that you have revealed yourself through these words that we read in this page, Lord. That you're very, that we can actually know you. We can actually understand you. Wow, what a privilege to know that the one who created us we can actually relate with. And we do that, Lord, because of that sprout that came from that stump, because of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who through that death made us holy as you are holy, that that spirit of yours through what Christ did on the cross can now live in us, your very presence. And Lord, I just pray for all of us, Lord. Keep us in your word. Keep us abiding in you, Lord. Keep us producing fruit. Keep us living lives that we reflect the glory of the living Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.